Good afternoon, Acadiana. This is Joe Cunningham here on News Talk 965 KPL. Glad to be with you guys this afternoon. Let's jump right into the news of the day. Announced a little while ago, the Biden administration is announcing that it is scrapping its vaccine or test mandate for large employers after the Supreme Court blocked the rule earlier this month. This, according to National Review. Uh, from the U.S. Department of Labor's Occupational Safety and Health Administration, per their statement, although OSHA is withdrawing the vaccination and testing ETS as an enforceable emergency temporary standard, the agency is not withdrawing the ETS as a proposed rule. The agency is prioritizing its resources to focus on finalizing a permanent COVID-19 healthcare standard. OSHA continues to strongly encourage the vaccination of workers against the continuing dangers posed by COVID-19 in the workplace. This according, again, to the Department of Labor's OSHA. So after the Supreme Court defeated the large employer rule, now remember there were two decisions that came out on the same day. This was two weeks ago. The first was the OSHA large employer mandate. If you have a business with more than 100 employees, you would have to uh, either have your your employees would have to be vaccinated or test regularly. And that the Supreme Court ruled was too much of a burden, too, and too expansive a power for a federal agency over private business. The other ruling was the healthcare worker mandate for healthcare workers in systems that took money from the federal government. They again ruled the Supreme Court ruled that, that mandate was okay, and generally because When you take federal money, there are a lot of strings that are attached. When you take any money from the government, there are a lot of strings that are attached. But because of the defeat of the OSHA rule in the Supreme Court, the Biden administration is just scrapping it all. Well, they say that it's a proposed rule. They're not scrapping it all together, that it still remains a proposed rule. But for all intents and purposes, it is officially dead. And this is a sign that they know that they would not win this if it was pursued in court. Now, the way the original ruling was written is that Basically, we're saying this, it, we're, we're, we're blocking this right now. It needs to work its th- way properly through the court system. That was the Supreme Court's decision. And so the Biden administration could have kept challenging it in court, let it, tradi- let it work its traditional way through. This was kind of a, an emergency uh, hearing and decision from the Supreme Court. And this, the Biden administration has basically said, no, nah, we're not going to do it. So again, the OSHA rule officially scrapped by the Biden administration, which is a which is great news uh, for fans of getting the government out of business as much as possible and trying to deregulate a lot of things. This was an excessive burden on employers because the employers would have to lose workers who weren't going to vaccinate or test and thereby create a labor problem, or they would have to fund this testing, essentially. And no matter what anybody else said, there was just no way the resources were there for business owners. Because what I think a lot of people don't really, a lot of people think 100 employees. And so their their automatic mindset is like, well, I can't think of any time I've been into, say, a restaurant or, say, a store or anything and seen 100 employees at the same time. But remember, a lot of these businesses have employees that work in shifts. And you can have very easily 100 employees and never see all 100 at a time in a business. And that's what a lot of people were worried about. Smaller businesses uh, that had, you know, 100 or more employees, 
but we're still smaller, you know, localized chains, things like that. This was still going to be an excessive burden on them, and that's what a lot of the a lot of the, that's where a lot of the worries came from. So that is the uh, kind of breaking. This this happened a little while ago, but haven't heard much about it on talk radio yet. It's still kind of bubbling up, but that is the big kind of breaking news of the moment. I want to talk about what's happening right now in uh, in the legislature. And I know that that. Bernie and Ian talked about it this morning uh, on on Acadiana's Morning News, and they talked about the the, the teacher pay raise issue. That there is a proposed uh, teacher pay raise in the governor's budget fifteen hundred dollars a year for teachers. The last so we got a what four hundred dollar raise. Last session, I think just before the 2019 election, the Biden administration, uh, I'm not the Biden administration, the, the John Bill Edwards administration proposed and got a $1,000 raise for teachers. $1,000 a year. When you take out things like insurance for a lot of teachers, union dues, other deductions from the paycheck, comes out to like something like 80 something a month if that and that was simply not enough that's it's barely a week's gross a week's worth of groceries for a, a, a family of three or four and now they want to offer up fifteen hundred dollars a year for teachers and it's it's kind of the same thing it's still not a lot when you divide it out like fifteen hundred dollars up front sounds great when you divide it out over 12 months, it's not, it's not that much for families. And it's, it really seems like a feel-good measure rather than an accurate look at what teachers are paid, what teachers are going through, especially right now especially in the last couple of years, but really as Ian and Bernie mentioned over the last 10 or so years, that's about how long I've been in the education system over the last 10 or so years, the, the number of changes, the, the, how bureaucratic a lot of education has gotten and teachers having to accept more and more responsibilities. $1,500 a year just does not seem like enough. On the flip side of that, take into account that over this same amount of time, administrative costs have, or administrative pay has bloated. Administrative costs have bloated in the school system. And it basically artificially inflates how much we're spending on education. Because a lot of that money really doesn't go into the schools and into the classrooms. It goes to principals, assistant principals, people in the central office, things like that. Teachers are usually the last in line to get any sort of pay increase. And as a result, it leads to a lot of job dissatisfaction. And we have a teacher shortage right now. We have people ready to walk off the job now because things are really just so miserable in the workplace. The state of education and the state of teaching is emotionally draining. It really is. And I, there are some, there, there are going to be so many critics who want to say this or that about teachers or of education, a lot of times because we pay a lot of attention to what's happening nationally in education and not really looking at what's going on 
in our classrooms locally and in our classrooms here in the state of Louisiana. In Louisiana, we're not seeing oftentimes a lot of the issues that you're seeing around the country in education. But a lot of our teachers are going through a lot of issues right now. In some of the northern parts of the parish, teachers are paid way more. But that's the, the Haynesville Shale was a big part of that in, 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 central, in north and central Louisiana. The Haynesville Shale brought in a ton of extra tax money. Red River Parish, other parishes in that part of the state were able to give their teachers pay raises years ago. But here, we're not seeing those raises. We don't have, uh, we didn't have that same boom in income. And we're seeing a lot of teachers are struggling right now. 232-1542, if you want to call in to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 965 KPEL, we are going to take a break and we will be back in just a moment. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 965 KPEL. If you want to call into the show, 232-1542. You can also join in the conversation online, Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. And if you miss any part of the show, check out the podcast. Uh, you can look up the Joe Cunningham Radio Show on uh, Apple, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast and see uh, or and listen to the bits of the show that you may have missed. All right, so into the last segment, talking about the teacher pay raise issue. Uh, again, Bernie and Ian talked a lot about that this morning on Acadiana's Morning News. Uh, you can go back and listen to the podcast of that episode as well to kind of catch up on that discussion. Uh, and from the perspective of somebody who's been, this is my ninth year of teaching, so the, the better part of a decade in the education system here in Lafayette Parish and just kind of growing up in a household. Uh, you know, my mom was a teacher. My grandmother was a teacher. Um, my wife is a teacher and, and knew from very early on that she wanted to be a teacher. She's been doing it longer than I have um, and a much better teacher than I am. Uh, but just my, my life has been um, surrounded by teachers in my family, so I'm, I'm very sensitive to the issue. $1,500 a proposed pay increase won't even pay the rising cost of gas or insurance right now. With inflation, with all the other economic issues right now, it's possibly less effective than the $1,000 raise we got at the end of 2019. And here we are proposing this $1,500. So over the course of John Bell Edwards' administration, this big ally of the teacher, you know, he, he ran, he's a big ally of the teachers of the education system. Uh, the unions loved him and supported him. Uh, just under $3,000 total a raise for teachers since he took office, which again, sounds like a lot if you think about it up front. But when the regional average is so much lower, or when, when, the, when the seasonal, the regional average, sorry, I'm screwing up my words today. When the regional average is so much higher than what you see in Louisiana, there's an issue. There's, there is something wrong there. And we have, a, we, we, we have this moment in time where educators are leaving the system, sometimes early, they're not even getting retirement age, they're just done with the profession and leaving to go do something else. You have younger potential teachers not even, in, not even going to get an education degree. 
the alternative certification programs are seeing decreased enrollment. You don't have people who want to be teachers right now. That is compounding the issues that we're seeing. The last two years have been, frankly, miserable for teachers. Two years of COVID, of dealing with COVID in the school room, in, in the classroom, in our school system, has been nuts. It's been mentally and emotionally exhausting. Couple that with the changes we've already been seeing in education over the last decade, two decades, where things have become a lot more bureaucratic. There is a lot more paperwork. There are a lot more meetings. There is a lot more work to take home. It's not just the time you're at school. It's the work you have to bring home when you have to grade assignments, when you have to contact parents about certain behavior issues or certain grade issues, when you're having to do so much more outside of the time that you're in school. And teachers are getting fed up with it. And so at a time when we can look next door and see that Mississippi is debating whether or not to raise teacher salaries $4,000 or $6,000, we're in Louisiana offering another $1,500 in our budget proposal for the year. Something's not right. Now, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the best solution is because we in the state of Louisiana are also terrible with our money. As a state, our state government is terrible with money. And the burden of pay raises isn't on the state government necessarily. Because it's the districts that have to pay that money. And if you increase the salary by too much and a parish can't afford it, the parish is going to lose money and they will have to raise taxes locally. Because you can raise a salary in the state of Louisiana, but by law, you cannot decrease a teacher's salary in the state of Louisiana. So you have to find a way to fund those salary increases. So there's no perfect answer. But there has to be something because education is struggling right now. And I know a lot of people are going to say, well, our education system is at the bottom of the, you know, the bottom of the list when it comes to the country. Our edu- you know, we're, we're not providing a proper education to our kids. But part of that is a lack of a candidate pool for teachers. We're not able to recruit high-quality teachers because we're not paying them enough. And because we're not able to recruit teachers we can't improve the education system to make it seem like these teachers deserve more. It's a very weird conundrum we're in right now. If you want to recruit better teachers, you're going to have to offer a bit more because right now what we're offering is clearly not working. And again, I've gotten so many questions from people who are worried about things like critical race theory. They're worried about... All of this stuff that you see nationally, all the stuff that's in the headlines nationally about education, the unions, critical race theory, uh, you know, the the government, you know, the national government calling parents who get involved with terrorists, that sort of thing. You're not seeing that locally. You're not seeing that really in the state. There are always going to be some pockets of it here and there, but you're not seeing that here in Louisiana. You're not seeing those issues here in Louisiana. And in fact, you really don't need to see those issues here in Louisiana. We, we want to fight the battles. We want to bring CRT up in the legislature. We want to bring these issues up 
in the state because they're good talking points and good partisan issues. But it's not an actual issue in the state of Louisiana. What is at issue right now is the quality of the education that we provide because we can't bring, we can't recruit good teachers. We can't take the people who are inspired, who are in love enough with the idea of helping to teach our kids and raising the next generation in our schools. They're not interested. So we don't have a candidate pool for teachers. We don't have the means to improve our education system because we don't have the people in place to put these changes into effect. It is a problem in the state of Louisiana. And I'm not sure, like I said, what the solution is. Can education reforms help? Can we be more open throughout the state to the idea of school choice? You know, here in Lafayette Parish, we have a school of choice system. We have the magnet school system where kids can choose to go into uh, can, to go into a school choice to 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 pick a to pick a school that they want to go to. We don't have that opportunity right now. Or we throughout the state we have it here. We don't see it all throughout the state. Two three two fifteen forty two. If you want to take part in the conversation, we are going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, more on this, and I also want to talk about what the FDA did with monoclonal antibody treatments in Florida. And I also want to talk about Joe Biden's hot mic moment because that's been all of the news today. We got to talk about it, all that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show when we come back after this break. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 965-KPEL-232-1542 if you want to join in the conversation. We do have a caller on the line now. This is Nathan joining us. Howdy, Nathan. How are you? I'm doing fine. Uh, I was listening. I just got off work. I am a teacher. Mm -hmm. I've been teaching for over 23 years. And I got off, off of work. I'm driving off. I always listen to you guys. And uh, I have to take issue with uh, your, your, what you think is the reason where our education system is, is going horribly in the state and why teachers are leaving. Mm-hmm. All right. You said that there is a lower G, a pool of teachers, of quality teachers. No. The pool is becoming smaller and smaller, not because of the pay. The reason teachers quit is because of the lack of discipline in their schools. Students run the schools. I don't care what you people want to say. You want to hear the truth. This is the truth. Students run the schools. All right. Administration, all they do is sit there and try not to get on Channel 3. You can't write up students. They have a desegregation order. Certain races, you can't even write them up. They Throw it under, underneath. All right. They don't get written up. You mm-hmm. can't have any expulsions mm-hmm. because that would hurt the parish. Uh, now, it's, you cannot make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. These students, the quality of the students has been allowed to degrade down to I don't want to even be there anymore. Mm-hmm. These, these kids don't want an education. They don't. I, I'm part of a blue ribbon, presidential blue ribbon award-winning school, and I was a big factor in that. I'm, I consider myself a subject matter expert in this. Mm-hmm. These kids over the last 20-something years have been allowed to pass. They sit and do nothing, and they are going to be promoted, and they know they're going to be promoted. 
It's not money. It's getting control of the schools, of these things, uh, these schools. We do not have control of our our, uh, our discipline in schools. That is the reason teachers quit. There are tons of people that are no longer, they're not teachers just sitting in the classroom. Then there are classes that have no teachers mm-hmm. because the administrations are covering up the discipline issues and the kids know it. That's the reason we're, and also one last thing, look, we are now have to read a script to teach the next generation science standards and all this English stuff, you're reading a script. I was about to say, you must be an English teacher talking about guidebooks if you're, if you're talking about the script. And no, I know... No, no, no. No, no I'm, I'm a science teacher. Gotcha. But I know I've been around long enough. They are a joke. But politicians in the state say, oh, we're doing horrible. It's not the teachers. It's the lack of any accountability for these students. You parents... They don't even know that their children are failing or they don't even care. They get a, they get a phone call for every zero or every F mm-hmm. that they get. I don't get any phone calls from parents. Yeah. I have it in years. It's the, it's, the, it's the administration. It's the students. It's the parents. I'm sorry, parents. It's your fault. It's not teachers. We, we work for the money we get, and they quit because of your children. That's why. Right. So if you want education to be better in Louisiana, you're going to have to sit there. You state representatives, you need to sit there and take control of the classroom. Right. I'm done. Thank you very much for the call. Uh, and we're, we got another call, Tom, on the line. Tom, how are you? All right, sir. How much is Louisiana spending per child on education, and how do we rank? as far as education against the 50 states. We spend a lot on children. We don't rank very high. And I, I mentioned that a little bit earlier. A lot, a lot of that cost now, is going to administrative costs, though. All right. It's about accountability, and I agree with the previous caller. Mm-hmm. Accountability for teachers as well as students. And guess what? It falls on the parents. If you don't have any parental guidance at home, you don't get anything done. But we keep throwing money at it, throwing money at it, and we're not getting any better. Yeah, now, I, I teachers, don't disagree. I agree. Teachers are some of the lowest paid police officers and firemen. If firemen wouldn't have, it's ridiculous what we pay these people who we trust them to take our kids for six, eight hours a day and teach them. Now, it's accountability. If you can't teach them, then we get some teachers who can. But you, it's hard to get rid of a teacher. Once they have whatever it is that they, they have, you can't fire them. You almost have to be drunk on a job. Oh, even then. It's about <laughs> even then. It's, it's not throwing, we keep throwing money at it, keep throwing money at it. I agree, teachers are some of the lowest paid professions and, and do the most work. Without, I have two degrees, mm-hmm. and if it hadn't been for good teachers, I, I would be very ignorant. I get it. Yeah. They need to be paid. They're not paid enough. But somewhere along the line, somebody's siphoning the coffin, and it's not getting to the right people. They need to be held accountable, teachers, as well as students and parents. Mm -hmm. That's just my opinion.
Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with any of that, and there does need to be more accountability. You, you and the last caller, both. There needs to be more accountability, accountability at all levels. And you're right, we do throw a lot of money at the education system, and we're not seeing the results. And my, exactly. my, big, my, issue, my big issue is, is going to be the administrative costs are, are through the roof while teacher pay doesn't go up. And so we have administrators who are not, you know, at, at, at the principal and at the central office level, people who are not in the classrooms near as much, who aren't, who aren't the, I guess, in the trenches uh, employees that the teachers are, who are making a lot of the policies and making a lot of the decisions. And oftentimes there is a big disconnect. There is an ivory tower mentality between the administrative side of education and the teaching side of education. So I'm not, I, I want to be clear. I'm not saying let's throw money at the issue by no means, you know, that, that that's anathema to what I believe is a small government conservative, but at the same time where the money needs to go is not being properly allocated. And if we can't reduce those administrative costs and we're not seeing we, we've got to be able to recruit better teachers to try to get better folks in the trenches to, to help fix these if problems. If somebody is responsible for Lafayette Parish and Lafayette Parish doesn't improve, fire him. Mm-hmm. Just that simple. Fire him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've got other callers on the line. Thank you, caller, uh, for uh, thank you, Tom, for calling in. We've got Brett on the line now. Brett, how are you? I'm good. Um, your school teacher caller was, in fact, 100%. I spent 20 years in, in Acadiana as a juvenile probation officer. And it's ironic that the crime levels that we see now with Soros DAs letting criminals get away with all sorts of crimes matches the misbehavior level of the same protected classes in the schools. Mm-hmm. It is true that... Uh, they are certain uh, protected classes of people that do not get expelled, do not get disciplined as others do, because the schools don't want to get sued. They don't want to start any type of controversy that will get into the newspapers or the TV. Another little-known fact that the school teacher did not mention is that from the time in August when school takes in until October, virtually nobody is expelled and nobody is suspended because they want maximum attendance because that is the period that is used to uh, be the measuring stick to receive federal funds. As a probation officer, come uh, November, December, our court dockets used to be overflowing with kids with crimes and truancy, uh, from the school, but from August until October, there was virtually zero referrals from schools to the courts to take care of any type of issue because they wanted the federal funds for maximum attendance. Mm-hmm. And the school teacher was correct. The problem that we have is that you you can't do anything with the kids, and they know you can't. The reason the literacy level is so low is that there are children whose families do not value literacy, and they only go to the schools to be able to continue to participate in federal food stamp and welfare programs. And that's the only reason why they go. And they get socially promoted, and you don't have to worry about any discipline. So it is the teacher who catches hell, and the good kids who can't learn because one, two, three of those ill-behaving children in a room full of 25 completely shuts down the classroom. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brett, thank you very much for the call. We've got one more call I want to squeeze in before we go to the break. Mike, uh, you're on the line. Thank you for calling the Joe Cunningham Show. Yeah, I, I'm a six foot two, 250-pound retired or, or laid-off all-field worker. Mm-hmm. Tried to substitute teach, and I found out, I mean, after the second day that I didn't have a chance. Those kids know the law and know what they can get away with better than anybody else. And my daughter and wife that were two school teachers told me not to do it. And I'm like, man, I can do it. I can handle those kids. <laughs> Wrong. We better put God back in our schools. We better teaching the values of the Ten Commandments. We better wake up and, and get a hold of our kids early because we've lost them. Well, uh, Limbaugh used to say incrementalism, and uh, they've taken over our schools. And, and we're, we're, I mean, when you can't read, write, and do arithmetic when you're a senior in high school, that's pathetic. I know third graders that quit school back 40 years ago that became millionaires because they could do arithmetic, read and write, and didn't, wasn't afraid to work. But uh, it's, it's crazy. Well, God, I feel for teachers. Yeah. Yeah. God, God bless you uh, for joining us in the trenches well, well, as a sub. I mean, it, it, it is, it is crazy. Think about it. Mm-hmm. We're the worst. We spend the most money. So, so what does that tell you? I mean, and it never changes. Like Moon Grafont says, it never changes. We keep promising foster. You hear every governor promise the kids, the kids get, but who, who, you know, it never changes. Mm-hmm. We need to just clean house, start all over. Uh, take, you know, I think it's six or seven thousand a kid per year that we're spending. I don't know. I don't know the real numbers, and, and I wish somebody would come up with them and, and you report them today or tomorrow because we'd be shocked at what they spend per kid. But uh, what actually gets to the to the school, you know to the parents and teachers anyway? Right. Well, it's a mess. Mike, thank you very much for calling. And again, God bless you. Thank, thank you for joining us in the trenches as a sub, even briefly. We're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, a couple of national topics I want to get to. If you want to call in two three two fifteen forty two, might have some time toward the end of the next segment. But I want to squeeze these stories in because they are just as important, and we need to talk about why here on the Joe Cunningham Show on News Talk nine six five KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 965 KPL 232-1542. If you want to call in at the end of the segment, might be able to squeeze in another call or two. But for right now, I do want to go to the big national story. Well, two stories right now. First of all, the most breaking thing, uh, we are finding out officially Sean Payton will be stepping away as head coach of the New Orleans Saints. Hired 16 years ago, see a Super Bowl, like seven uh, division champion or uh, division championships. Some conference titles. It's just been a stellar coaching uh, record uh, for a guy who came into New Orleans when New Orleans was at its lowest and helped uh, helped elevate that team and elevate that city in in so many phenomenal ways. There's there's clips on ESPN right now of uh, of Peyton getting emotional. Um, this and this is a very big decision. I have a buddy who's who's in media and who regrets not working the the Saints beat right now because apparently. Uh, Sean Payton was handing out king cakes to, to everybody who was at that press conference. So uh, thank you, Sean Payton, for what you have brought to the city of New Orleans, the New Orleans Saints, and and the state of Louisiana. Uh, I want to go to one of the big stories of the day, and that was actually last night. Joe Biden lost his cool, and, uh, and this, is, this is funny to me. His, he had this hot mic moment. Uh, Peter Ducey of Fox News asked about inflation, whether or not that was going to uh, be a major drag on the Democrats. And and this was at the end when they were ushering the press out. And, you know, the press like to get in their last questions or whatever. And Biden's mic was still on. And he said, no, I think it's a great asset. 
and then he called Ducey a stupid SOB. And, of course, there was a lot of, of pearl clutching over that from the right and a lot of people on the left defending Biden, the same people on the left who were just uh, who, who lost their minds anytime Trump attacked the press, or even the same press that gets super offended at the phrase, let's go, Brandon, because of the implication. I don't want to talk about any of that. Wasn't a fan of Trump when he made hostile personal attacks against people. Not a fan of Biden doing it. I can't condemn anybody for swearing because I like to swear and very creatively. It's just my problem is my day job is working in a school. My afternoon job is coming on the radio and I have two young kids at home. I never get the opportunity to swear like I would like. So sometimes I just have to do it in the car whenever I hear a news story that aggravates me. Just get it all out of the way there. It's kind of like when you pinch a hose off and then you let it go and a bunch of water comes out at once. That's, that's swearing for me sometimes. So I can't condemn anybody for swearing. However, it's what Biden said before the swearing and how he said it that's important. Ducey asked, if inflation will hurt Democrats in the midterms. Biden's re- Biden responds by sarcastically calling it an asset before swearing, un- you know, uh, I guess he thought the mic was off, swearing about uh, a Ducey and calling him a stupid SOB. But that sarcastic response indicates that Biden knows that inflation is going to hurt the Democrats this year and that he's really tired of hearing about it, which means he's essentially giving up on fixing it said it, I think, since the show started. Bad news for the Democrats in November. The President of the United States, the leader of the Democratic Party, is saying with this sarcastic comment, he's not worried about inflation, he doesn't care about inflation, he's tired of talking about it, he's tired of hearing about it. There is not much that the government can actually do to combat inflation. There are some things that can be done to help mitigate it, But the government can't turn inflation on or off with policy. And the executive branch doesn't wield enough or shouldn't wield enough power to be able to uh, to affect it that much. Moreover, the Democrats as a party don't seem to mind the inflation problem. The American public is looking at the Democrats and thinking, hello, we're, we're running out of money. Costs are going up. Wages aren't going up fast enough. The price of gas, food, everything is going up. And the Democrats spent two weeks focused on a voting bill that was dead on arrival. And there's this perceived nature of the Biden administration that, or this perceived, this notion, this perception the Biden administration doesn't care and doesn't, is, is out of touch. It's a drag on the party. It is a huge drag on the Democratic Party. Now we have Biden seemingly dismissing the issue with a sarcastic response on a hot mic. Like most media scandals that you see, this probably won't register long on on the minds of voters. Honestly, unless you pay super, super attention to the news, chances are you're not going to hear this story for too long. And honestly, the media, compared to how they handled Trump doing these things, the media is going to spend about five minutes laughing about this, and they moved on. Ducey himself had some good jokes about it. 
But Biden did not apologize when he called to Ducey. Ducey said he called to clear the air. He never said Biden apologized. We can assume from that that Biden didn't apologize for what he said. He just wanted to clear the air about it. There are just over nine months until the midterm elections. None of the problems the country is currently facing can easily be solved by the government. And there is not enough time for any possible solution to really make a serious impact on the problems. Biden is now basically admitting that he's checked out. The likelihood of any fix to any of the economic problems we're seeing, any of the problems the the Biden administration is actually facing, the likelihood becomes slimmer. Biden has checked out. He is a lame duck president and has been essentially a year into his administration. The most powerful person in the Senate is not the majority leader, Chuck Schumer. It is Joe Manchin, followed closely by Mitch McConnell. The most powerful person in the House is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and she has dragged the rest of her caucus along behind her. And as a result, the Democrats have to move left to keep that progressive base happy. And that shifts the priorities. The Democrats are flailing. They are out of touch. And there is no solution. I don't know. If if I were a Democrat, I'd be losing my mind right now. But I'm not. I can be a center-right observer from the sidelines and kind of chuckle about it. This is Joe Cunningham on The Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 965 KPEL, Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. Catch what I write on Red State, and you can also find the podcast, The Joe Cunningham Radio Show, on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you guys for this wonderful afternoon. Thank you callers for calling in. I'll talk to you guys again tomorrow.